0: Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. This season we'll be interviewing experts in sustainability and ethical living to shed a little light on the many terms used across industries, discussing the different aspects of living a conscious lifestyle and how we can do our bit to make a difference. Today we're joined by Edzard Vanderwijk, co-founder of High Studios and Sheep Inc., she launched in October 2019 and is the world's first carbon negative fashion brand, leading the way in being a restorative brand with a net positive impact. Alongside this, they are also the first brand to provide a fully traceable and transparent account of the supply chain and carbon footprint, accessible with the tap of a phone against an NFC tag on the sweater hem. Thank you
1: so much for joining us. So as the world's first carbon negative fashion brand, do you think this is something that other brands will soon look to replicate?
2: So yeah, I hope so, because I think that obviously the fashion industry has got a lot of cleaning up to do. And I think that the targets that are being set at the moment by a lot of the industry are just not enough, right? I mean, that was really the genesis of the company as as we were kind of looking at how the fashion industry was behaving. And we really felt that the targets that were being set were were just way too low you know and also the amount of commitment that was happening towards sustainable targets whether it's carbon neutrality or beyond was by such a small percentage of the overall fashion industry that you know and, and with the growth of the fashion industry being what it is there was just no way that that was going to be as positive enough of an impact so you know i think it's it's kind of imperative that people start to to basically have a regenerative impact right so to have more to basically put back more than they take out um so the short answer is yes I think that it's a really 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 imperative for for fashion brands to start um to start kind of not only cleaning up their acts but then also having a positive or carbon negative impact
1: definitely it would be lovely to see more and more brands doing this I just think how long like most most sort of new phenomenon that happens especially in the fashion industry it always takes people a long time to kind of cotton on doesn't it um but it would be lovely if people would catch on a lot quicker just find that once more and more people are doing it then other brands are looking to invest in it but it shouldn't be the case it should be do that from the start
2: yeah and i think and, and that was really the genesis for sheeping was also when we when we kind of us both, both started exploring the concept so my, my background was that i'd set up another um, e-commerce brand fashion e-commerce brand um a while ago and as i was kind of operating within the within the fashion industry i really started to see the impact of fashion firsthand on the environment and i suppose the the, the real shock that came at that moment was the fact that i hadn't really realized how bad it was until i literally set up a company in the fashion industry and started seeing the impact and what was also really surprising is then when I started having conversations with friends, and I'm talking kind of like 2016, 2017. So in kind of sustainability terms, that obviously so much has changed in those in, in those four years. But what was really fascinating is when I then started talking to my friends and starting talking to my peers and saying, "Hey, listen, you know, do, do, do you realise the impact of fashion on the environment?" And what was so shocking was that nobody knew. Nobody knew, right? Nobody kind of really realised it. And you know, I know in the last six months to a year, a lot of that has changed. There's a f- people being far more vocal about it, but it was very, very few and far between them that people actually knew of the impact. So our starting point was really not so much like, what should the fashion industry do? Or that that was obviously a key part of it, but it was really like, how do we bring awareness? And how do we get people to start both realizing that impact and most importantly, start asking the questions, right? So that when they pick up a garment from a shelf and they, they like the look of it, they start to be conditioned to go, okay, but how was this made? What impact was it? has, has it had? Because I think that's the huge problem that has has happened. Um, and it's true for so many industries is we, we just don't, you know, it's been such an opaque industry fashion for so long. We are, we're simply not conditioned to ask those questions. You know, we go into a shop, we pick a garment out and we, we buy it. You know, there's not a moment of check and that comes from two ways. It comes from the customer not asking, and it comes from the brands not actually providing the answer or the transparency. And I think that was really for us, the starting point it was not so much, it didn't actually start with kind of like the the, the, the I suppose the carbon negative impact, but it really was this kind of communication piece. It was like, how do we get that behavior change to start happening? And what conceptually can we do? And what can we do as a brand to start addressing that need for people to ask questions? And that was for us like an an incredibly important starting point for kind of creating SheThink and that's how I suppose the whole kind of like the brand and the concept came together. So if you look at kind of like the two things that we're, the kind of like the three things I suppose that we're doing as a brand is first of all, we felt that sustainable brands is, is, is the kind of simple starting point was that there weren't very many, very high quality product options in the sustainable brand space. And I think that is a huge problem. In um, you know, that is a huge problem for people because they simply don't have the choice to choose a garment or nice enough clothing that is, you know, kind of as good or better than some of the better quality players out there. And I think that is a problem as a sudden when people still buy products, they want to have the best product, right? They want to have a really good quality garment, and the sustainable credentials is the nice bit to have, of course. But it starts with having a good quality product. And I think that's where unfortunately a lot of sustainable brands don't quite kind of match up quality-wise. So that was kind of our starting point. And then we we kind of within the product we then started exploring kind of what is the, you know, w- what is the the what is the product that we should be selling and then what should it be made out of. And the piece that we the the kind of like the garment that we quickly realized that made a lot of sense from a sustainability wise was a sweater because it's such a permanent part of your wardrobe you know it hasn't the style and hasn't necessarily changed that much in in kind of like in decades so it is something i've been i've inherited sweaters of my dad you know it really is something that you can have for generations so actually as a piece of clothing in its own right it is sustainable because the design is has such longevity to it so it retains a part of your wardrobe and then the next question for us was like okay what is the um, what is the material that it should be made out of? And we we then took a hard look at two materials. Um, took a look look at a lot of materials. But we honed it down to two, which was cashmere and merino wool, um, because obviously we wanted to kind of again match up to to the highest quality products out there. And cashmere was incredibly problematic immediately. We found you know it's like even though it's material, it's obviously has it's luxurious, um, all the luxurious aspects to it as as a Environmental, um, environmentally friendly option it's it's incredibly complicated so we decided that cashmere wasn't necessarily the way to go and then merino wool became for us a really interesting f- material because we then started looking at it and going like okay actually you can get to if you spin it in the right way and you you treat it in the right way you can get it to the same quality as cashmere but it has all these kind of technical benefits so it has you know it's very good at temperature regulating um, it doesn't retain odor it stays very well it keeps its shape it doesn't crease etc so again as longevity built into the material which is something that always has to be looked at like that was a very kind of it, it was a very good sustainable option from a material point of view because it had such kind of longevity and, and um you could wear it so often right because of this these these various qualities but the big problem with merino wool was of course the fact that you know it came from sheep and sheep are methane producing animals and Livestock, as we know, is a huge part of the, um, of the problem, of the, the, the greenhouse gas problem. So we, we basically started knowing that we wanted to use merino wool, but we didn't say we were definitely going to use it. So we looked at it as a material and said, OK, listen, it has so many of the qualities that we want, but can we can we actually justify using it? Like, is there a way that we can we can make merino wool work? And the thing that we therefore very quickly ended up at is looking at kind of regenerative farms, um, regenerative farming methods in New Zealand, um, especially who are real kind of trailblazers in that regard. And we started visiting all these farms and started interrogating, like, how do you, you know, kind of like, how can you manage land and how can you manage biodiversity and how can you manage your livestock in a way that is not just environmentally neutral, but is actually environmentally positive? and for that that was a real kind of eye-opening kind of process basically doing all the research into that because we very quickly um started to understand that it's not you can't necessarily paint all farms with the same brush right it's like it is it isn't as simple as like all agriculture is evil but it is actually like some of some kind of farms do have ways of, of managing the land that can be beneficial to the environment and so that that was for us you know kind of again a, a, a kind a of like Um, an eye-opening moment right it was like a really exciting kind of piece where we're like okay cool we've now got the material and we now have got the way of sourcing it and then it was actually just kind of like following the supply chain all the way through and making sure that we were as sustainable as possible but then I suppose to circle back to the original kind of piece that we were trying to address which was like how do you get this behavior change we now have this kind of this product that made a lot of sense from a sustainability point of view and there was a great piece in there about the educational aspect of, of kind of sourcing material in the, in, in the right way. But for us, again, this huge question came about, it was like, how do you get people to care? You know, and how do you get people to um, start asking the questions? And how do you start people, getting people emotionally involved in the stories behind the things that they buy? And I think that was like the real, again, a bit of a eureka moment where we started looking at, if you look at all the trends in the industry, everybody's talking about transparency, which is a great thing that we're kind of, we're heading towards that. But the real problem with transparency is that, again, it's not necessarily driven by people asking the questions. It's actually just presented to people, you know, and I don't think people tend to look, you know, they, they tend to think, oh, that's nice. And it sits somewhere in the back of their head. But it's again not something that they, they aren't conditioned to ask for transparency and that was that was for us like again the kind of I suppose the challenge and the thing that we wanted to tackle was how do you add an emotional touch point to transparency that makes people want to become part of the story or makes people want to become involved in the story and Taking that into account, that's how we kind of, I suppose, came up with a core part of our concept, which is like, listen, if we're going to be selling merino wool sweaters, there's this whole life that's happened before it ends up in your wardrobe or in, at your front door. Like, why not have people adopt a sheep on the farm that they buy their sweater from? And, you know, the thing about that, which is which is hopefully, which has been which has been very very well received and people really engage with, it's like, you just simply go, oh, yeah, this thing's the sweater I'm, that I'm wearing started life as a sheep somewhere, you know, and it just becomes this kind of like this touch point, you know, and this this I suppose this realisation of like, okay, well, it started there, therefore I'm going to connect the dots between, you know, the sheep and me putting it on. And what we do is we give people kind of updates on, on how the sheep is doing, about how the farms are doing. And it's really, hopefully, you know, kind of our, our, our aim with it, as much as it's a fun engagement piece for the customer, is for people to start once again thinking about the provenance stories of other things that they buy so that you go into a shop and you pick a garment off the shelf and the, the thing you do is like where did this start you know is something that becomes something that you start to think about um so yeah so that was like sorry that's a really long-winded way of asking the question is like it wasn't <laughs> necessarily like the sustainability piece it was really that kind of like that behavior change that we really wanted to we really wanted to um to address and then of course the carbon negativity bit kind of followed out of that um, because we also wanted to challenge what sustainability what being sustainable means as a company um, and so that's how we kind of decided to you know kind of really push on this carbon negative messaging
1: yeah it's fantastic absolutely it's, i think that's the most extensive kind of um, description or background of a business that we've ever had <laughs> brilliant <laughs> Paint the real picture
0: interesting that you said about um how it's not it's a mixture between consumers not asking questions and fashion brands not telling the story properly um because if you think about it I've always thought about my kind of consumerism in a way that I've kind of been blind up until recently so we don't know what um goes into fashion because we don't ask questions and that kind of naivety is kind of that ignorance is bliss kind of ideal. Um, I think now looking at, because I've just got an email from um, Vogue Business, their that, that kind of daily email, and they have this whole sustainability section, sector now. And I feel like so many brands and companies like Vogue are making a point of make, showing like, or making an understanding of, you know, fashion has its negative impacts in more ways than one and we need to understand what sustainability actually means. So it's really exciting to see a company that is based on that from the start, because I feel like so many people need to have that that kind of dangled in their face for an understanding, as much as you know, we may you know follow the Vogue Business newsletter and other newsletters that clear us up. There are so many people out there that literally have no idea and don't think about the fact that my jumper came from cheap at the beginning <laughs> and things like that. So it's, it is really important that as much as it's a small part of the business it's it's something that you are doing to kind of highlight to people who do have that ignorance and do have that kind of lack of understanding of what they are putting into the world and to kind of highlight that they can do better and they need to kind of understand the origins of of their clothes so yeah I think what you're doing is is interesting it's like geeky interesting but also really (laughs) really needed um for on that kind of base level of like hey general consumer here's that kind of it's essentially a, a bit of a gimmick having the, the, the sheep there Totally, yeah. it's that impact that's like oh wow okay that sheep my clothes what else do I need to think about so yeah I think it's I just think it's really cool well
2: thanks and it's, it's also like I mean to, to to kind of like definitely to add to that it's not I think that was also a really cool part of it. It was like, how do you turn it into a viral storytelling mechanic? Right. And that was, that that was for us really crucial because it isn't just about, I suppose, um, changing the, it, it isn't just about changing the behavior of, um, of that one person, but it's also making that person a spokes person for, <laughs> to other people. Right. And, that's also where we have a tag on each sweater that's basically modeled after the kind of the RFID tags that sit in the sheep's ear. And you scan that with your phone and then you can like see the whole history and you can also see where your sheep is located. And that for us was kind of a fun, you know, obviously it's a fun piece for the consumer to have, but it was what was, I suppose the the the, the driver behind it was also not to just have people talk about the brand, but to have people talk about sustainability. You know and to be able to sit there at a in the pub dinner party whatever and just being able like oh this is check out this sweater and like it does this and it kind of opens up the conversation right about about fashion and about its behavior although obviously at the moment we're not going to any pubs or any dinner parties but um that was kind of like that was for us really really important was was kind of opening broadening out that conversation so it doesn't become something kind of that you just absorb, but it becomes something that you can also talk about
1: Definitely. It's it's so interesting because the more that you're speaking about it, I'm loving the emotional connection there because I'm, I'm somebody who always thought about where my food comes from. And that's, I think, where more more often than not, people don't think about where your clothing comes from or where the animal is, but you always think about it in terms of the food industry. So especially, like, I was speaking to my, um, to my stepdaughter a couple of years ago about it because when she was a bit younger to try and explain, well, this chicken that's on your plate used to be running around. Um, he used to be an animal and this bit of lamb used to be like he used to be running around trying to explain these things to her to make her think about where your food comes from but then to apply that into the fashion industry as well I just think it's incredible because it's as Charlotte said it is kind of geeky and cool because people don't think about these things and it is bringing up that kind of that cognitive but also emotional attachment to the item and you think oh, I want this to serve more of a purpose rather than wearing it a couple of times and it living on the bottom of your wardrobe somewhere. So I think that's really, really interesting. And definitely, I love the whole RFID tag um, thing with because I can think (laughs) of with it on. It's really clever. The food industry is a really good comparison because it's
2: not even the chicken piece, but it's actually for us, what was also such a, um, I suppose, a touch point was the egg thing that has happened over the last (laughs) decades, right? where free-range organic eggs becomes something that now becomes a must, you know, and we've obviously been been hammered with these, quite rarely, these images of like battery chickens and all of this. So we very quickly start to go, okay, I'm looking at eggs, free-range, got it. Those are the ones I want because I understand at that point I have a mental picture of a happy chicken running around, right? And I think that's what you hope, but I... I think that's kind of like the important bit is like that's a behavior change has been very, it's kind of very subtle, but it is there, right? It's like it now becomes a moment for most people. And then the supermarket, they very quickly scan the eggs to make sure that they are free range or organic, you know? And I think that's that's incredibly, that behavior change is, is incredibly notable because it has in many ways changed, changed, you know, kind of like changed how we how we eat eggs and therefore changed the lives of a lot of chickens around the world. And I think that that is almost also the piece that we're kind of wanting to do here, right? Is the, um, um, with the sheep, that it also becomes this thing of like, okay, imagine a happy sheep, you know? And that's also, of course, the very important thing that we do is we also make sure that all the farms we work with not only have high sustainable standards, but also very high animal welfare standards um, so that you can think back to your sheep and know that it's kind of happily trotting around a, um, a field in New Zealand.
1: That's fantastic. We were talking a little while back about um, how sustainability has changed a lot and how the conversation has changed and how I think as time's gone on the conversation is evolving and people are looking at different parts of sustainability and I wanted to talk a little bit about biodiversity and the kind of projects that Sheep Inc have invested in. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah definitely so what we do is we outside of I suppose working with as clean as supplies as we can um, which is of course always a journey we're always trying to improve that but um, our supplies run on renewable energy and um, we do we use stuff like zero waste knitting machines to make to make our garments and any offshoot garment every offshoot yarn that we do have we then make this thing called a smit mark on the back of um, the the neck of the sweater so everyone is uniquely hand finished um but outside of that Treating our supply chain, kind of really interrogating how to have a, a, a sustainable supply chain, is we also dedicate 5% of our revenues, so really 5% of sales, not a profit. Um, we dedicate to biodiversity projects. And that's also where our kind of official carbon credits come in, where we also then can kind of officially say that every sweater you buy from us has a 10 times carbon negative impact on the gross footprint of that sweater. Um, so everything that we so basically every sweater you buy that this the one I'm currently wearing which is a medium a medium knit the gross footprint of that so that's not taking into account all the kind of sequestration that's happening along the site supply chain um, is 30 kilograms and then we offset a minimum of 300 um, we, we mitigate a minimum of 300 kilograms so that you know that again the sweater has a regenerative impact and what we do with um, the way that we are supposed to split out that investment, so it's 5% um, of revenue. Um, what we do with that is we basically split it in three. And the first part of the, the, the investment goes to projects on the farms that we work with. Um, which is kind of insetting projects, but not necessarily kind of strictly just insetting projects. We also invest in, um, for instance, protecting endangered species, of which a couple are on a couple of the farms that we work with. Um, there's a bird and a, a lizard type that is that is under threat, so we make sure that its natural environment is well protected and it can it can breed. Then on top of that, what we also do is we do. A lot of research as well. We're doing at the moment a soil analysis piece because soil was a bit of the unsung hero in, in carbon sequestration. So we're trying to figure out how much the soil on these, these farms is actually, how much carbon is actually holding um, and various other kind of pieces. So it's very much like in our own supply chain, figuring out how we can have an impact there. Then the second part of the investment goes to um, projects that have been affected by the environment, uh, by the industry that we operate in. Now the industry that we operate in is obviously a bit split because we op- operate in agriculture and fashion um so at the moment what we do is we we invest in a project um in kenya which is basically an area that has been vastly over farmed um and the land has been made arid and so we're helping rejuvenate that land basically bring it back to life and then there's also a whole education piece that kind of happens with it um that allows Teaches farmers how to basically manage the uh, the land better um and with that also comes official carbon credits so that's where we get our you know these all properly verified and signed off on um and those give us our um our, again our, our our kind of 300 kilograms worth of worth of co2 offset for, for each sweater um and then the third part of the equation we actually initially had as a um we, we initially had allocated, I suppose, for kind of like emergency investment, where we said, OK, listen, let's keep a portion of of the funds available for projects that are in that are in dire need. So the project that we invested in and that we're still kind of, we're still invested in is a project in the Amazon, which is just basically deforestation. And, you know, and we're just helping, helping prevent deforestation in the Amazon. But actually, I suppose, with the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement, we also took a, um, as you do, you take a. Good hard look internally, at your own business, and we also identified that you know the climate crisis is unfortunately, um, you know, kind of like far, you know, there's a real there's a real racism problem in in what's happening in the climate crisis, and we just wanted to figure out how best to also contribute towards helping that. Um, so we've actually allocated now this third part of the funds to a far more kind of people societal first focus basically um and uh, especially to kind of communities that have been adversely affected and um, kind of minority communities that have been adversely affected by the climate crisis so that's a bit that we're we're kind of we're shifting over basically the investment strategy for that one so there's a lot of ways that you can kind of make those funds work so we're still trying to figure out what the best way of doing that is um, but in the meantime we're, we're continuing to kind of put money into this amazon and uh, this amazon project but obviously that societal part of the investment will come into come into play early next year
0: there's there's so much going on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so what impact is the brand looking for to have on the fashion industry if you were to like put it in a nutshell
2: i suppose it's kind of industry and people right if you were to take those two what the impact that we want to have i think first of all the industry we we did want to point out that like carbon neutrality is not enough i think that really was our kind of like our starting point and i think the other big thing with this 5% of revenue commitment that we've made is we also want to highlight that there is stuff that can be done now. <laughs> and I think this is a big problem in the industry is that a lot of fashion brands are setting targets of carbon neutrality by 2030, to carbon neutrality by 2035. And we understand that if you've got a hugely complex supply chain, if you're an LVMH or one of the Kering Group brands, is that It is going to be a process to get those supply chains more sustainable. We're kind of obviously sympathetic towards that, um, although less sympathetic to the fact that they should have been made sustainable a while ago. But the problem is there is that a lot of brands are basically shifting focus forward and they're saying we will solve this at some point in the future. And sometimes with relatively vague kind of like um, a relatively vague path to get there. And so the thing that we really want, we wanted to highlight with the industry is, first of all, obviously the fact that carbon neutrality is not enough. Like that was our, our, our starting point, like as as a, as a core message, but also very much like actually there is something that can be done today, which is as you're cleaning up your supply chain, you can also commit financial resources to put towards biodiversity projects. Now, incredibly important to add is this is not greenwashing. I'm not saying that they should be investing in stuff to basically counter anything that they should they're not doing in their own supply chain to clean up their act but it is something that as they're very rapidly trying to clean up their supply chain trying to clean up their ways they can in the meantime today there's there should be no there is no there should be no roadblock there today they can commit financial resources to biodiversity projects and that for us is you know was an important message that we wanted to we really wanted to get out there you know we can if we invest five percent i mean if you look at some of the numbers of some of these big fashion brands who do on occasion commit to um, to biodiversity projects, like, they are so minuscule compared to their profit, right? And it's just it's just a drop in the ocean. And that for us is like a real, a real piece, I suppose, we want to get out there. It's like brands commit more financial resources to biodiversity projects. It simply needs to happen. Kind of doing 2035, cleaning up your supply chain by then is simply going to be too little, too late. Um, And, you know, this is also, I suppose, the, the important bit that we need to slightly counter the message of a lot of press, which is a lot of people, a lot of the press is, keen to kind of i suppose paint this this um this investment in biodiversity projects out there's a very black white scenario right it's like well if you invest you're simply trying to cover up your own tracks and trying to trying to um kind of like wash over the bad you're doing as a business but again it's not that simple like i said those two things can be happening in tandem you can be trying to clean up your acts and you can commit to to kind of like biodiversity investments in the meantime and that for us was really that for us is a very important message to get out there Um, Because as we all know, like the the climate crisis, like stuff has to have happened decades ago, you know, pushing it now forward by another five or 10 years. You know, we're we're already in so much trouble. We're going to be in even more trouble by then, even if 20, 30 percent of the industry actually achieve their carbon neutral targets. The rest of the industry is, again, going to so outpaced. The the growth is going to have been so much more that it's just going to be it's going to be totally screwed. Right. And, And and there has to be the sense, far more the sense of urgency if, of, of things to happen today, and that means exploring everything, every single avenue of which actually committing financial resources is 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 one that can be done today. And then I suppose also from then if you take that, that's the industry side. And then from the, the, the people side of the um, the change, so I suppose, we really want to bring in is, is, again, this piece of having people ask questions. You know, that's really the behavior change we just want to introduce. We want people to start asking questions. There's one piece of change that you can make as a consumer. Ask, buy stuff. Look at look at everything that you want. And, and I'm not going to say don't buy stuff because we, we do consume and that's going to be very hard to stop that habit. But if you are buying something, just ask the single questions like, hey, can you, give me, can you give me the provenance of this piece? Or can you just give me a bit of background on how this was made? And if you don't get an answer, just don't buy it. Just like be, be that kind of, you know, be that black white about it. If you don't get the answer, don't, don't buy it. And I think, you know, if that behavior change starts to happen in the, the, from the consumer side, then brands are going to have to clean up their act incredibly quickly. or oh, there's just not going to be, you know, the, 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 they're going to be in real trouble. And um, so I think it's probably those two, those two pieces.
0: Definitely. I, the first one is actually a conversation I have been having a lot. We, we've mentioned it a couple of times, with a couple of different um, podcast guests, but I have it a lot in my kind of everyday life. The idea of if you are not a company or a person who has, you know, who is doing good in the world let's say and you've decided to invest your money into good does that make you a good person or does that make you a bad person trying to cover up bad things and I just I think at this point my standpoint on this is there's much investment we can have into the world of kind of sustainability in whatever sense we want to talk about environmentalism we want to talk about so you know circular motion anything that's going to lead us to fixing problems that are in dire need of fixing. I personally believe whatever your company is, we just need that investment and we need to just take it. Yeah. But then there are lots of people out there. We've had a few um, tweets and um, Instagram posts that we've seen um, together and together. we've Bianca and I have discussed where people are just like, you know, why are you taking money? Like bigger, com- small companies taking money from um, like huge organisations that aren't known for doing great things. And it's like, well, why are you taking money from them? And it's like, you know, that idea of money makes the world go round. We have, if if not from them, where else are we getting this money from? What's, you know, how else are we going to power through? So it's a really interesting conversation um, that I think the sustainability um, warriors are having. And there's two sides to it at the moment. And I just think it's one that I just want to have on a larger scale and just... Get people to kind of shake up and be like, we just need money in this in this industry.
2: <laughs> yeah, we
0: need to be investing in in good to be able to get the good results.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And I, and I don't think I think that thing of shaming people as well. Just people become. I mean, even as a company, that people just get to a state of total paralysis. Right, they don't know what's good anymore. And you know, I think that that there needs to be less, I suppose, shaming and more kind of nurturing. <laughs> you know, for, for especially for these small, small companies
1: education is key isn't it it's if you give people the information then they can make an informed decision rather than acting blindly and it's as you were saying if it was it's been a mix for however many years of consumers not asking the questions and these brands not putting the information out there if we're all asking and all providing the info everybody can make a decision based on their own beliefs and their morals and then it's up to consumers whether they want to buy or not but yeah Definitely.
0: so thinking about the consumers and us as the general public um what is it that we can do to be part of the chic inc's fashion revolution
2: <laughs> um <laughs> <Dub this. laughs> simply get a sweater but no i think that um i think no i think more broadly like you know again it, it does come back to the same thing as that uh, we just want people to start asking questions like that 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 for us is really the piece that needs to happen everything kind of flows out of that afterwards right commit you know there there just has to be this this again this behavior change where we start to ask the questions about the impact behind the things we buy and that's that's it you know it's 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 again it's one question it's one piece of one behavior change you need to bring into your purchasing habit which is ask the question don't get an answer then You know, just make that hard decision to then not buy the garment or not buy the thing that you wanna that you wanna
0: um, that you were looking at. Yeah, that's definitely something that a lot of people will struggle with. Um, But it's a mindset change.
2: Totally, And, and and I think it is it is you know as easy as I say that, like of course it is tough, right? It's like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of brands doing. You know, there are there's a lot of nice stuff out there, and a lot of it is unfortunately not sustainably made. You know, and that is where you know, the, the harder the harder choices come in. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, I think also in the next couple of years, we're going to see more and more brands who are just going to have both, right? They're going to have a good product and be sustainable. Um, so that, that that choice should become, hopefully at some point, you should have more choice. Therefore, the choices should become simpler.
0: should be a lot easier. That's all we can ask for, I guess. Um, so our last question of today is, it's one that I feel like you've already answered, but it would be interested to see if you have a different answer if we ask you in this way Um, if you could ask everyone in the world to make one small sustainable change what would that be
2: (laughs) so yes i am an answer in a really boring way which is like ask a question um it's 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 this kind of like single piece of advice that i think that well not advice but it's a single single thing that i just think that would just change so much right um it is just, you know, where does this come from? Just, just ask for the impact and, or just any type of touch point of, of you know, the, 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 any piece of information that you can have about, about the garment, and that's it, you know, and then make the decision. Like if you get the information that if you get something back that you like, or you can, you know, make, I think at that point it's up to, to the individual to make a judgment call, you know, it's like, okay, I think that's enough you know, um, that that sounds good enough for me, therefore, and then make the purchase. And if not, just don't. And, you know, that's really that single behaviour change. Should that come into play, then everything will change. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree with that, definitely. Yeah, I do agree with that. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today. This was so interesting. And I'm excited to read more and learn more about the company. Um, if we were to find you on the internet, where should we
2: <laughs> So we're... Um, www.sheepinc.com
0: so sheep included is the name of the company but sheepinc.com is the website